to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. a little bit this morning. Go to Philippians chapter 3 this morning. We started talking last week about what? See if anybody knows anything. What did we talk about last week? Anybody know? Excuse me? High calling. Thank you, Marie. Not only can she help out at Coffee House, she's paying attention, praise God. Thanks, Claudia. I'm sure everybody enjoyed themselves this morning. Everybody's got real wide open eyes. That's where I tell you to make that coffee. That's great. Keep them awake. Keep them going. That's very important. So, all right. We started talking about the high call. Just go to Philippians chapter three. Look at verse thirteen. Paul says, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth unto those things which are before." I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Say high calling. high calling. Notice everybody who's born again, everybody who comes in the kingdom of God has what the Bible calls a high calling. That means you. You have a high calling. That high calling is basically growing into a place of Christ likeness in your life because it's available to you. When you got born again, your nature on the inside was changed. The old spiritual sinner man died, and you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you did that, God put his nature on the inside of you. So if you're truly born again, you have God's peace, you have God's joy, you have God's wisdom, you have God's power all on the inside of you. After getting born again, then you have to grow into the place to understand we grow by faith through faith, one level of glory to another level of so we don't do it by struggling, we don't do it by fighting sin, we don't do it by fighting old habits. We do it by putting faith in what God has already did for us. Jesus has already delivered you. Jesus has already healed you. Jesus on the cross has already set you free. Jesus has already did these things. So the struggle for me is over. The battle's won and the victory is mine, praise God. So I'm not going to wear myself out through religion trying to become what Jesus already provided for me to be. And that way I can't pat myself on the back for getting there because I didn't do anything to get there other than to believe what Jesus did. All right. So the high calling, basically here it says you need to forget the things behind and press towards the mark of the high call. First, you have to forget the things that are behind. Say, I need to, I need to forget the things forget the which are behind. are behind. Now, we know that we need to forgive people. We know we need to not be offended. We know all that stuff. But this goes a little bit deeper. This goes you have to forget the way that you used to think and start thinking like you're supposed to think. And you've got to, in order to do that, I think we've got to go through Christianism thinking in order to get to kingdom thinking. Because they're two different things. You know, when I got born again and I had an experience with Jesus Christ, Christianity basically taught me I was saved. Now I'm going to heaven. People would say, are you going to heaven? I'd say, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Are you saved? Yeah. And are you born again? Yeah. Why are you going to heaven? Because I'm born again. But there was nothing in between the two. And then I started studying the kingdom, and I found out that the kingdom, not only did I get born again, but I got born again for a purpose to change the earth while I'm here. So that gave me a purpose. And let me just say this. When you get born again... It can happen two different ways. You can either all at once get a call from God on your, your call from life beyond the high calling, what you're supposed to do individually. Now, that may be a, a past, apostle, it may be a pastor, it may be a teacher, maybe an evangelist, maybe an encourager, maybe a giver. There's a whole, whole, whole lot of gifts out there, but God could impart to you what that is. Then he will not release you into that 
until you grow into your high calling because if you try to step out in your Christ-likeness before you start your ministry, you'll fall apart. Come on, once you get born again and you're still cussing, swearing, and hating everybody in the world, and God says you're supposed to be a pastor and you start a church the next week, guess what? I mean, no, that's not going to work. So we don't do that. We've got to wait and grow. When God spoke to me, it was at least over 10 years before I even started preaching the word. Why? Because I didn't even know the word when the calling came to my life. The other way it can happen is you can pursue the high calling of God, and as you grow up into him, then you will find out your calling as you go. See, so it's, there's two different ways God reveals it to you. A lot of people never grow up in the things of God, so they never find out what their calling is because they've never progressed. They talk the same. They think the same. You know, the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. What's he want us to do? Change our thoughts and change our ways, basically. And when I got born again in Christianity, everything had to do with heaven. You're going to leave earth and go to heaven. You better be good now because you don't ever know when you're going to die and then you're going to go to heaven. So you better be preparing to go to heaven. Nobody ever told me that I was actually here to impact this earth while I was here with the call that God gave me to change people's lives and change the surroundings around me. So the kingdom gave me a now perspective. How many ever heard this? When we get to heaven, it's going to be so wonderful. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. There's going to be no more problems. Everything's going to be great. But the kingdom taught me that I can actually have peace before I die. I mean, that's good news. You don't want somebody preaching to you to say, you can have peace and joy, die. Because nobody's going to go, amen. To that, no, you can live that way down here. The kingdom came to me in a now perspective rather than when I die and go to heaven, everything's going to be wonderful. And it gave me a purpose in my life to do that. And Christianity sometimes has not taught your purpose. Here's a good one. When I, when I got born again and saved and was in a Christian thinking, every time I prayed, I had a list. And I had a list of things that I wanted God. Pay the mortgage. Get me a house. Buy me a car. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. And that's what Christianity taught me. Basically to pray and try to get things from God through my prayer life and through my faith. But once I got in the kingdom, I found out my major priority was not getting things through God. It was getting to God, then getting things through Him. So my pursuit changed. I was no longer pursuing things. I was no longer pursuing it through faith. I was pursuing God, period. Have you ever prayed, what's your will? Here's what I want today, God. I want a car. I want Cocoa Krispies. I want a good life. I want all these things. No, if you just seek God, Cocoa Krispies will show up at your door. See, what, what have you done? You've changed your perspective. Things are not our focus. God is our focus. And the Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be. Well, I was taught to pray for all the things. Lord, give me things. Lord, give me things. And the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus said, why do you worry? You know, most of my prayers were out of worry. Why was I praying to meet my mortgage? Because I didn't have the money to meet my mortgage. And I was worried about it. So notice, things start to change when you start to get in the Word of God and start to see things the way God sees things. And when you do that, your prayer life changes, your natural life changes, your character changes. Let me say that again. I don't think some of you are. Your character changes. Come on. Some things that you used to say you don't say anymore. I mean, I run into Christians all the time who say they're Christians, and then, man, every other word out of their mouth is worse than the last X-rated show I even glanced at, praise God. Well, there was no change there. They didn't change their thoughts. They didn't change it. They're just born again. You know what? Because they're going to heaven. 
That's where I'm going. They don't understand, but between right now and then, they've got a purpose in their life. And as you grow into things of God, Christ's likeness that's on the inside of you will start to manifest through you. All at once, you'll have peace in the midst of a storm. You'll have joy all the time. You'll love people that you feel like hating. All these things will start to manifest out of the inside of you. And through that Christ likeness, then you can fulfill your call. How many of you would rather have a Christ-like pastor than a devil-like pastor? Come on. And, and some people get excited. You know, God called me to be a pastor, and I've been saved two weeks, and I'm going to start a church. And, I, and I, I understand their exuberance, but if you're not making the change on the inside of you, then you're not going to be successful. And then people say, well, he wasn't called a pastor. Well, maybe he was. Maybe he just didn't take time to forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark of the high calling to get to a place of the high call. And why do we want to do that? It's verse number 10. Because that we may know him. Say know him. That know means become intimately acquainted with him. Hallelujah. How many want to become intimately acquainted with God? And know the power of his resurrection. Say the power of his resurrection. Where is the power of his resurrection this morning? In you because who's in you? The Holy Ghost and Christ is on the inside of you. So if I'm going to be able to learn to release that power and walk in that power and use that power in my life, then I need to know Him, not things, not have a million dollars, not have four houses, but I need to know Him, praise God, and by that everything else will line up in my life. All right, go to Galatians chapter 1. All right, Galatians chapter 1, this is Paul speaking. Look at verse 15. Paul says, but when it pleased God, how many of you want to please God? But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So here's Paul saying, basically, he is an example of someone who grew up in the things of God, who grew towards his high calling. And notice what the revolt results was. He revealed God's son that was where? In him. So what did Paul do? Paul was manifesting the son of God who was already on the inside of him. He was revealing him as he lived. And I'll tell you what, this, this manifestation of Christ in you can go further than just your spirit and your mind. It can get into your physical body. Now, we don't have time to talk about that very much. But the Word of God, as you spend time in it, actually, according to the Bible, purifies your blood. Yes. And as your blood gets purified and flows in your physical body, it keeps your physical body healthy and well. But it's got to come out of your spirit when you got born again first. Go through your thought life yes. to get in your ways, to get in your blood, to get in your body. I mean, let's, Paul was bit by a snake. What would he do? Oh, my God, I'm going to... No, he threw it back in the fire. He said he wasn't going to die. He got shipwrecked. How many know he never drowned? He got stone dead one time. They took him out of the city. You know what he did? He got back up, walked right back in, started preaching again. Now, that's dedication, brother. I'm telling you right now. If I got stoned in one city, I'd certainly be, go someplace else. But he went right back in that city and did the same thing. Why is that? Because he was revealing God's Son in him. Now, the word reveal here means to put on display or to take the covers off. Say, put on display. Take the covers off. So what am I doing? I'm slowly through my thought life taking the covers off me, myself, and I, and I'm putting them on the one on the inside of me, and he is starting to manifest through me because I'm becoming one mind with him and one thought with him, and I'm basically one with him. In other words, I will start to respond the way Jesus responded. I will think the way Jesus would think in this situation. But how I many you know we had years to be trained not to do that? 
So it's only through the word of God that will line you up to have your thoughts become his ways so that Christ's likeness basically will start flowing from the inside of you and you will start thinking and acting like Christ. There's a lot of people in the church who have never progressed on their high calling at all. It doesn't mean the potential is not in there. It just means he's covered. He's not been revealed. He's not been uncovered. Now what's covered him? Your thought life. Your thought life can keep you in jail. Do you know that? You don't need physical bars. You can be in jail right here, brother. This will hold you back from anything you want to do, anything God's got from you, simply by your thinking. So that thinking has to be changed by the power of God and by the Word of God. And the Bible says we can partake of the divine nature of God through the precious promises. How many know that means believe them? So I'm going to believe the promises and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the first thing I've got to do is I've got to think of myself in line with the way God looks at me rather than the way that I've been looking at me. And that's tough to do because on one side you've got the word of God that says what you are. And on the other side you not only got your thoughts, but you also got the evidence because you're doing it. <laughs> Are you following me? How am I going to say I'm not addicted to cigarettes when I'm smoking cigarettes? How many, you've got to get beyond the natural to do that, brother. So you've got to see that Christ has delivered me from the curse of the law and delivered me from everything. So this word has to, in me has to perform something where it slowly takes the cover off of who I thought I was and brings the cover from the other side on as who I am. The Bible says you're holy. The Bible says you're righteous. The Bible says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The more you get your mind off you, the further you'll go in the high calling of him. But if you don't do that, it won't work. And everybody, you talk to people, and they want to talk about my failings, and talk about how I failed, and talk about what I can't do, and talk about, no, no, that's you in the natural. We're talking about a high calling that goes above your natural, because the anointing of God and the Spirit of God's on the inside of you, and you can reveal from the inside of you what's there. So I've got to tear that stuff out of my mind, don't you? Every night, I've got to cut a little bit more out of there. I've got to cut some more out of there. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Well, I'm not an alcoholic. Am I? I'm an alcoholic. Well, I'm still drinking. I must be an alcoholic, but I'm not an alcoholic, because God said I wasn't an alcoholic, because I was delivered. It goes back and forth, but as you feed the word in there, Sooner or later, it explodes on the inside of you. And all at once you say, my God, I've been delivered from alcohol. I've been delivered from porno. I've been delivered from sickness. I've been delivered from this stuff. And when that revelation hits and comes out of your spirit, it uncovers your thought life into a place to where now your spirit and your thought life are together. See, this is why some people are called double. Because their spirit's saying, that's what God said. And their mind's saying, well, this is what I say. And we got a battle going on, don't we? we got the mind saying, you're not holy. Yes, I am holy. The Bible says I'm holy. Look at yourself. You're not holy. I ain't looking at myself. I'm looking at the Word. Praise God. Well, you're not holy in your sight. Well, I'm holy in His sight because that's what He said. So I'm in the battle there, but I'm making the change. What am I doing? I'm growing up in my high calling to a place to where if something even hits me in the physical realm, there's enough flowing out of me that keeps me free from even this natural physical realm. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Galatians chapter 2. You're pretty close by. Look at verse 20. Now here's Paul again. Paul says, here's, here's what I've done. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You see it? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I living, but it's Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself what? Now, this is somebody speaking who basically is growing up into the high call. He says, I'm no longer living in my own. I've been crucified with Christ, and now 
Christ is being revealed in me. I'm uncovering him. I'm putting him on display in my life because I've changed the way I think, and it changes the way that I'm doing things. So he had a new mind, didn't he? He must have had a Christ-like mind. He must have had a mind that was above what he was thinking before. Now, here's, here's a key to your, a lot of people say, I don't have enough faith. I don't do this. I don't do that. Look at it again. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of who? By the faith of who? Now, how many know the Son of God's got pretty good faith? How many know you've got faith? But if you come to a place where you come into this oneness, basically growing into the high call, you will not be using your faith anymore. You will be using His faith because you're acting and thinking and doing just like He does. So people said, I don't have enough faith to believe for this. Well, where are you in your high calling? Well, I didn't even know it was a high calling. I just got saved. I had never been to church, never read the Bible, never changed, never thought, never did anything. And I'm just here, and I just can't seem to believe for that. Yeah, because you're guilty. You're condemned on the inside. You're not growing in the things of God. You're still thinking the old, ugly ways. God doesn't like me. God doesn't care. God's never going to give me anything. Why would he give me something? I never did anything good. I never. So it's hard for you to pray and actually receive anything from God. But as I grow in Christ's likeness, like Paul did here, no longer I live, but he lives. You know, they did a long time ago, what would Jesus do? If you've got to think about it, you're not there yet. You understand? If every situation comes and I've got to spend 15 minutes wondering what Jesus did, I have not been conditioned in my thought life and my ways just to do what Jesus did without thinking about it. See, we learn things in the natural. We gain condition to certain things in the natural. If somebody yells at me, I yell back. They shout, I shout louder. They scream more, they cuss more, I'll cuss them. It turns into a cussing batter. And you naturally did that. Why? Because that's what you were conditioned to do. Now you're conditioned to do something else. If somebody scream at you and you've got to take 15 minutes to try to find the scripture that says uh, a soft answer turns a ray wrath, it's going to be too late. <laughs> so naturally, because that's my nature, now I'm, I'm revealing Christ and come on the inside, I'm just going to give this person a soft answer immediately without even really thinking about it because now I've been conditioned to what Christ would do. I'm thinking his thoughts and I'm operating in his ways in this situation and I'm living his kind of life here on the earth. That is a kingdom life. A Christian life would scream back then repent. See, we can do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we got forgiveness, praise God. Is it wrong? I don't care if it's wrong. I got forgiveness. I can confess my sins for him. He's faithful and just to forgive me. So I'm just going to keep right on screaming because it feels good. Then I'm going to repent. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to repent. Because I got grace. Grace wasn't given to you to sin and repent. It was given to you so you don't have to sin anymore. It's the ability of God in your life that you no longer have to do that stupid thing anymore. Then you don't have to repent anymore. And you'll change somebody's life basically by doing it. Hallelujah. All right, go to Philippians chapter 1. And it doesn't matter basically how your church does it, how your denomination does it, how your sect does it, how your whatever does it. It matters what he does it. See, and you, you can get taught in a place that doesn't teach you the right way to do things, and you've got good faith in what they're teaching you, but what they're teaching you is religion, and you're acting in religion, and nothing's working for you because religion doesn't help you. It never did help anybody. It's all what he did, and your focus cannot be on what you're doing. It's got to be on what he's already done for you, and receiving what he's done for you will take care of what you're doing. But it's faith in him first and what he's already done for you on the cross. All right, Philippians chapter 1. Here's Paul again. Let's look at verse 20. Paul says, according to my earnest expectations and my hope, 
that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, he's basically saying the same thing he said in Galatians, ain't he? He says, here I am, basically, I want to magnify Christ in my body, say in my body. Now notice, people say, well, when I, I die and go to heaven, all the bad stuff's going to be gone, and I'm going to be just like Jesus, and I'm going to be, you know, a perfect person and all this kind of stuff. But notice, he didn't say when he got to heaven, he said, in his body. How many of you have a body? How many of you have one right now? Then it must be available for you if you have a body right now, right? To grow into that, to manifest Christ, to do it. And there can be a physical, right now, example, a physical manifestation of Christ through you that the world can see. I mean, you know, that's important. If there's all Christians are all the same, I mean, they're, they're loving God for two hours on Sunday, and then they're going to live at work just like they always do and talk like everybody else and act like everybody else. There's going to be no change in anybody. They've got to see a change in what we do. We're in a different kingdom. We've got different rules. We've got different laws. And as we learn to think and abide by those laws, you are going to be different. My God, I'm telling you right now, you better be different than some of the people you're running around with. And when you do, how many know you're going to get a kickback? They're not going to be happy. And they say that you're doing things wrong, but what they're saying is, I'm so guilty and I wish I could do that, but I don't really want to try, so go ahead and you do it and you enjoy it and I'm not going to do it. But that's it. You're going to make waves. You can't help but make waves because you don't think like they think and do like they think, you know. Let's pass around a joint. Well, it comes to you. What are you going to do? Well, I want to fit in. I'm a Christian, but I want to fit in with you guys. I mean, I play ball on Tuesday nights, and sometimes afterwards they bring out this little sticky thing. I know exactly what it is, and they start passing it around, and you know, never, never brought it to me one time. Why do you think that is? Because they know darn well I'm not going to do something like that, praise God. I'm not going to do it. But the rest of them can do it, and I don't care if they do it. That's totally up to you. It's your life. You can do whatever you want to do. Do you understand? I'm not in a judgmental mood for anybody. All my judgmental comes right here. I want to judge us me. To line up with a high calling and do what? You can do what you want. You can change your thoughts, not change your thoughts. Read the Bible, not read the Bible. Go to church, not go to church. That has nothing on me because when you get up and go before God, I'm not going to be there. I'm not your attorney at law going to be there and say, well, they showed up every third week and I can vouch for them. No, he wants us to grow into this high calling so we can be effective in our real call then. And we can also be effective in the things of God around us and act like that through our thoughts and through our ways. So notice this, Christ was magnified in his body. Say, in his body. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. Nobody tells us this stuff's available. Nobody told me this. They just said, do your best. Repent of all your sin. Struggle and try. And someday you'll make it to glory. They didn't tell me I could do nothing here. All right, Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Powerful verses here. For 18, 818, are you there? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now notice again, here it says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed from heaven, from the next revival, when we die and go to heaven. No, it's in us. It's already in us. This is ready in you to be delivered 
It's already in you, the peace and joy and power and everything's already on the inside of you and it wants to be revealed by taking the cover off. Now notice what it says here. The whole, in verse 19, all the earnest expectation of the creature, the plants, the animals and everything are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Say manifestation Manifestation. of the sons of God. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say it's waiting for the manifestation of the son of God. Most people are. Come on, rapture. Manifest the Son of God. Please come back and save us from this mess. Save us. You don't understand that you are right now actually in slow rapture mode. Yeah, you can wait till Jesus comes back and you see him face to face and you're instantly going to be changed into that. But he wants you to be changing now. The whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And notice they're not waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Oh, we just want to see people healed, delivered. Yeah, well, that's great, but that's a manifestation of a manifestation of somebody who's manifested as a son already. See, manifestations from the son comes from a manifestation of a son. So it's not the son of God coming back. That's not what everybody's waiting on. They're waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Come on, who are they? So what? The whole world's waiting for us to grow into Christ's likeness so we can change this earth. We can change the atmosphere of it. We can turn the curse back over. We can tell a plant to live if it's dying. We can get sin out of the world. We can take away the corrupt government. We can do all these things. Everybody's waiting on it. Even the plants, animals, trees, and lizards are wishing, are hoping that this takes place in our life. But we don't care. We just, come on, rapture. Come on, rapture. We're not supposed to be waiting for the rapture. We're supposed to be solely being raptured. Now, you can get to a point where I believe when you die and just like that, and you're just the same as you were right before you died, and you won't even know you anywhere for a little bit because you're so much like Christ already. Are you following me? That all you did was shed this body, threw it off the side, or there'll be a great revelation when you see him as he is. Then you'll be instantly changed just like that. But he wants us to grow into it right now, and basically that's done through God-likeness. Say God-likeness. So we're not we're waiting for the rapture. We're not waiting to see him as he is. We can be raptured slowly right now, basically. He says God is not satisfied with one resurrected person. He's not satisfied with one glorified creation. He's not satisfied with one guy who can heal the sick, cast out devils, and live in peace, joy, and love. He wants every single person to get born back into the kingdom of God to grow into that and become what he's already made them to be. Praise God. All right, look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brethren. Now notice what he says here. He said, it's already foreknown and it's already there. You ain't going to escape it. If you're born again, sooner or later, you're going to be transformed into living and thinking like Christ. It's going to happen. Now, it can happen when you die and see Christ. It can happen when the rapture happens. Or you can grow into it. It's already foreordained. It's already there. It's going to happen. But I want to grow up to be that now. I don't want to live like the devil now, then die, and then become it. Because my effectiveness here on the earth is based on how much I grow into my high calling in Christ-likeness now. And the more you study this and the more you're in it, the more the Holy Ghost will get involved in your life, showing you where you're thinking wrong, where you're speaking wrong, we all know when we said something, and as soon as we said it, we knew, oh, geez, oh, I should have never said that. should have never said that. It's like a... It's too late, though, isn't it? It already came out your mouth. Well, those things will be 
more few and far between as you grow up in the things of God. At first, when you start this, you'll be eating them right back every the word you say. Because everything, yeah, I've been studying. I'm more like Christ. And you know what? But I've been sick lately. Oh. I just don't like the way you, oh. That guy just makes me so. See, and that's all right, because the more you do it, the, le- the less you're coming out of being double-minded into more of the good-minded. Yeah. You're still double-minded, but you're 30%, 70% rather than 50-50. And double-minded is good. I mean, if you're single-minded in the wrong way, you're going to have a tough life, and then you're going to blame God because nothing goes wrong right in your life. Well, you've never even made an advancement to begin with with God. You've never gotten a word. you never pressed into Him. I'll tell you right now, God's way is better. A lot of people in the world need to know this. Drugs, alcohol, and that kind of stuff isn't better. And you shunning God and going to do you no good anyway. It's just going to cause you problems. And they're going to want to blame him. And he had nothing to do with that. That was all you. Congratulations. You did a wonderful job for your life. But it's not that way. See, it's God. God says, if you want to live a good, peaceful life, this is what you do. This is the way you think. This is the way you respond. I created you. I know how it works. Come on. We all bought things. I mean, you buy a recorder or whatever right on top. It's got the instructions. You know that's from the person that made it? And they probably know how that runs better than you, even though you think you probably know it runs better than you. And you read the first thing, and it says, this is a radio, do not operate near water in the bathtub. Well, I don't like that. I take a bath all the time and listen to my music. I don't care what they say, so I'm going to put mine right up here on the shelf, and that's where it's going to be. And then all at once you move around, bump it, falls in water, and you die. I don't know what God's doing. No, you didn't read the instructions. You didn't follow the instructions, and you electrocuted yourself. See? Never said, I'm a Christian. Did you ever read the manual? No, I don't need that. I'm saved and going to heaven. You better read the manual. Come on. Or you're going to knock that radio right in your spiritual bathtub, and you're going to fry before it's over with. See, he's given us laws, and he's given us rules to follow, and if you don't follow them, you can't blame him for things not working out. And you know when you're following him. You know when you ran that red light and when you didn't. I'll tell you how you know. You made it look in the rear view mirror to see if anybody's following you. You go through. How many of you ever turned around and looked in the mirror if you went through a green light? Never. Boy, you go through that yellowish, reddish. Boy, you're right in that rear view mirror. Are they back there? Are they chasing me? Are they coming? See, you know it's wrong, don't you? And then you keep running red lights until you get in an accident. See, and that's what Christians are doing. They're just running red lights. They're, they're putting radios in bathtubs and, and then, and then round, round friends that say, do you want to be like me? And they say, no. I don't want to die in the bathtub and I don't want to get in an accident. So see, it's our example that's a witness also. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we're changing into the image of Christ more and more each and every day. All righty, go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll be honest with you, I'm guilty. I never read one of them instruction books in my life. Have you? On top of the radio, on top of the thing, you don't read that thing. That's why the clock on my microwave is still off, and it will always be off. I don't have to change a thing, and I ain't interested in it. As long as it cooks my food, I don't care what time it says. Turn the clock back on the microwave. I've never turned it on, up, or anything so far. I ain't going to touch that thing. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, are you there? 
Look at verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in your hope of one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of who? Christ. Christ. So this means that there's a gift in me. How many know Christ lives in you, the hope of glory? He is the gift. The Spirit of God is the gift who's on the inside of you. And through the gift on the inside of you is where you minister to others, where you fulfill your call, your personal call in your life, and you do it basically in Christ's likeness. So there's one Father of all who is in all, and He is also through all. But the ability is according to the gift of the measure of Christ. So if you're called to sing, if you're called to teach, if you're called to be a good mom, if you're called to be a good dad, the ability for you to do it is already on the inside of you, and Christ is in there waiting for you to change the way you do things according to the way he's teaching you, changing your thoughts and your ways so you can be the best mom in the world. How how many of you who are parents now don't quite do it the way your parents did? How many of you are glad? All right. There's been a change, hasn't there? So there's been a change for that. Before that, every generation was basically the same. They did this, they did that, they did this, same thing, same thing. But now God is moving in a way where he's changing people's thoughts and ways, so we treat our children differently than what they treated them. And I'm not blaming them for it. That's what they knew, that's what they learned, and that's as far as they went. But I didn't want to do that because I didn't really like it. I wasn't yelling, Amen. So basically, there's been a change, isn't there? And the more you change, and I'll tell you what, after your kids are raised and gone, you become a grandparent, you really get smart. You can look back and see every dumb thing you shouldn't have did. See, we should have kids, and they should just be on hold till we become grandparents, and then we can pull the grandbabies in. Because we know what to do. We know what to say. We've had practice now. But when you have kids, you're in process of having practice at the same time, praise God. You're just trying to figure things out, you know. Well, that's why we need to get in the book and find out what God says about raising our children and doing this and doing that. Basically, because we're changing, and it's going to be a different thing than what we're used to. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, here's Paul again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 4. Paul says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith should stand in what? The power of God. So notice, Paul says, I don't want to prove to you that Christ is alive. I don't want to argue with you some theological debate. I want to show you, basically, that Jesus is alive by what I do in my life. And what did he do, basically? Through the power of demonstrations, he did not want their faith to be in the demonstration. He did not want their faith to be in Paul. He wanted their faith to be in the power of God, which is Christ already on the inside of you. So he wanted people to put faith in the power of God, which is in there. Where's the power of God this morning? Where is Christ this morning? So what we're do- whatever we're doing, our main purpose is to get people to put faith in Christ, not in us. Some people will do that, but that's all right. You still got to point them to Christ sooner or later. And basically, the faith in demonstrations and miracles. You don't need faith in miracles. You need faith in the God of miracles. Yes, yes. And Christ lives on the inside of you. So Paul had it down pat. Go to Romans chapter 15.
All right, Romans chapter 15, Paul once again, look at verse 18. Paul says, For I will dare, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through many signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So here's Paul once again in his ministry. He's saying, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what Peter did. I'm not going to stand up here today and tell you what John did. I'm not even going to tell you what Jesus did. I'm going to tell you basically through the modern power and signs and wonders and miracles what Christ has done through me by revealing his nature on the inside of me. Now, how many know that John G. Lake was a great man? If you've ever studied him, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, a wonderful man. Oral Roberts, a good man. Kenneth Hagin, a great man. But let me give you some information. They're dead. Now is your day. Not their day, your day. Your day to become Christ-like. Your day to change your thoughts and the ways that you do things. Your way so that you've got a track record of fully preaching the gospel of Christ. And know what he says in the last verse there. He says, I have fully preached. Say fully preached. So his fully preached was just not preaching, just not teaching, but signs and wonders that followed the preaching and teaching made it fully preaching the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, I don't... I like what these guys did, but I want to have my own track record. I want to prove that Christ is alive. I want to show people the Christ-like nature. I want to show them that you can live in kingdom living right now. You don't have to die and go to heaven. I want to show people this thing, and this is what I'm called to do. How many of you know it's all in this book right here? All right, go to Acts chapter 19. I feel like I need to break that noon spirit off in Jesus' name. Y'all ate, so you should be here till 4 o'clock this afternoon with that meal was out there, for God's sakes. (laughs) Thank you for your overwhelming response on that. All right, Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 11. It says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of who? So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Hallelujah. Now here's Paul. He's doing special. Say special. They took hankies off of him. They took his aprons off of him. They gave them to people, and people got only not only healed, but devils came out of the inside of them. People were set free. Now why did this happen? Because the Christ in Paul's spirit had gotten in to change his mind into his blood, into his physical body, got into his apers, into his handkerchief, and the power of God was enough in there to set people free. Now, let me ask you a question. Shouldn't the power of God in a human being be stronger than someone who wiped their sweat off their face with the power in it? Shouldn't there be more things done just by us rather than to to get all excited about aprons and sweat? No, we should be doing this because Christ already lives on the inside of us. And this tells me one thing, too. He was wearing an apron, and he was wiping his face off his sweat. It must have been while he was working. Say it was while he was working. So notice, while he was working, apparently he was not complaining. He was not grumbling. He was not arguing. Apparently he was zippity doo da, zippity a, build another tent this glorious day. Do 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 do. That's the only way that flow. Are you following me? Would have came out of the inside of him, and would have did it. He must have been rejoicing. He must have been 
worshiping. He must have been getting excited. He's, so this tells me that while you do the dishes, while you mow the yard, while you're stuck in traffic, see, he must have stayed in that. He must have stayed in that piece. He must, why? Because he had the mind of Christ, and he wasn't getting upset, and he wasn't grumbling, he wasn't complaining, enough where this stuff got into this clothes. And basically, and this tells me another thing, the high calling is not a churchy thing. It's an everyday living thing. Yes, yes, everyday life. I'm going to live in peace. Everyday life, I'm going to live in joy. What if something happens? What if it does? I'm still going to live, and I'm going to live in peace and joy. What if it doesn't make any sense? Well, I've got the peace that passes all understanding, praise God. Well, what if I don't have any joy? Well, I've got exceedingly great joy, praise God. That's just the way it's going to be, and I'm going to walk in that, and I'm going to live in that. Why? Because my thought life has changed to go to the Word of God rather than go to the problem, the circumstance, the issue. Any problem or circumstance you got, you can make a lot worse. Just simply think on it meditate on it. And it'll get there. Hallelujah. All right, go to Acts chapter 16. If you ever do a study on the life of Paul, you're really going to see some things. You're going to see places that he failed so you don't have to, and you're going to see places where he succeeded so that you can. I mean, a lot of things in the Bible was there. How many know he, he ran into a sorcerer one time that was irritating him? See? And the Bible tells us that we can do the same works that Jesus did and even greater works than he did. How many know Jesus opened the blind eyes? Well, Paul told that sorcerer, you ain't going to see light again. And how many know he went blind? Paul took good eyes and made them blind. Jesus took blind eyes and made them good. How many know that was different? That was something there. Now, why did he do that? Why do you think he did it? Because one day he was on the road to Damascus. Well, once he got hit by the power of God, and he got up, and guess what happened? He couldn't see. So he figured, hey, the power of God worked there. It's going to work here. So he said, what should I do to this person? I'm just blind their hind end. He did it to me, praise God. I'm going to get this guy with it. He said, you'll not see again. The guy goes, oh, oh. See, he had experience, do you see? It's Christ-likeness. He did it to Paul. Paul did it to somebody else. He had more faith in that because he already happened to him, see? So you can't judge. And th- therefore, you can't judge. Now, if I was there... I'd say, God or the devil? Which is this guy from? I know God doesn't blind people. God heals people. Yet this guy got blinded, but yet it was the same God who... See, that's why you've got to get out of here. Hallelujah. Right there. See? You've got to get out of here, and you've got to get in here, and you've got to think the way God thoughts are and the way he are, ways are and I mean Paul shipwrecked one time he ended up on a, in a place and that, and that snake came out and bit him remember that yep. and everybody in the world had one thought he saw the devil and that snake finally killed him he deserved every minute of it threw him back in the firehead revival this guy's of God yep. notice how quick your thought life can go in the natural he's of the devil he's of God yep. he's of the devil it's crucial oh he's of God and I'm, I'm sure if he'd have died then it went back to the devil See, because our thoughts, if they're, if they're controlled by the natural out here, you're not going to flow very much in the things of God. All right, where did we go? Acts 16. All right, let's finish up here. Look at, look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, this is Paul again, and made their feet fast in the stocks, 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Now here's Paul. He's thrown into prison. He was beaten, put in a deep prison someplace. How many know he was having a bad day? And in the midst of the bad day, I'm sure you've never had a day this bad. And what were they doing? They were rejoicing, praying, and thanking God. And what happened? A miracle happened. The power of God flowed. And what did it do? It opened the prison door so they could walk right out of the prison door. People all the time, well, I've got problems in my life, and God never does that for me. Well, I know why. Because every time you get in the midst of something, you grumble, complain, and moan about the thing. And the power of God doesn't flow in that. Praise God. In praise, in thanksgiving, and in rejoicing. So we're all heading to the high call. Say, heading to the high call. One more. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to change the way we think. We're going to line it up with the Word of God. We're going to think the way Jesus thinks. We're not going to throw stones at somebody that gets caught in sin. We're going to help them. We're going to... And the best part is that you're living in a world right now where you get plenty of chances to exercise this. Man, if all the the world was great, you wouldn't even have a chance to exercise. Nobody ever got mad at you. How could you... Love somebody. Everybody loves me. It's easy to be loved. It's good to get talked about every now and then. Good to get made fun of every now and then. Good to get kicked every now and then. All right, Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 9. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it be who became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory. How many know who those many sons are? They're you, aren't they? It's you growing up in the things of God, running into situations, running into circumstances, letting the Spirit of God on the inside of you teach you and show you, and spending time in the Word. Say, I need to spend time in the Word. Now, you can either grow up into Christ's likeness and basically seek the Lord and have a lot better life for you and the ones around you, or you can just go to heaven when the time comes, praise God, and I'm sure that'll be a wonderful time, but, you know, the 40, 50, 60 years you've got in between may not be that much fun while you're doing it because this is what we're called to do. This is what we were created to do. This is who you are. He's just trying to tell us who we actually are, praise God. He made us the righteousness of God in Christ, and that's who we became at that time. So we're growing in righteousness, and we're growing in our call, praise God, from God into the high call, so that we continue to live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. shall be added unto you.